Pelotero Pickle, episode 27. Join us as we discuss Chris Colabello getting active on Twitter, getting some, getting some traction too. We got a Grand Slam situation where the runner didn't touch the base. We talk about that. Then we get into some hot stove stuff with the post show. And should, should Tom Brady be getting shamed for throwing the Lombardi trophy from a boat? Let's get it. Pickle, 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 special holiday winter. What is happening in Texas? Episode 27 edition. I'm coming to you live from Dustin Geiger's office in his house because he has electricity and I don't. Chris is coming to you from his car because we couldn't record normal times. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, man. The apocalypse is upon you, man. It's Armageddon down there. So, so you know, the, people- the amount of snow that we got down here is like a Tuesday in Massachusetts. Exactly. That's what I've been describing it as. It's, like it's a 90 minute delay at best. Uh, down yeah. here, they don't have snow shovels. They don't have ice scrapers. They don't have tra- tra- uh, trucks with plows on them. They don't have salt and sand to treat the roads. But basically, like if it snows here, you just wait until it melts. Uh, unfortunately, it's below freezing temperatures for over a week. So basically just take it on the chin, Texas. Here we are. Had my two favorite things that you... 45 degrees in there this morning. My two favorite things that you've said to me to this point about your experiences right now are one, you use the word snow shovels as opposed to just shovels, which is great in and of itself, because I get it. Like there's a difference between a snow shovel and like a metal shovel with a wooden handle that you dig holes with. I'm and a, the I'm other a, thing, I'm a big snow shovel snob also. Like I love the, I love the ones that are long that you can push the snow if you get ahead of the snowstorm and then you just do like you do rows. I'm like, when it comes to like physical labor, cutting the grass, creating lines, <laughs> shoveling the driveway, like I'm all into it. So yeah, it's a snow shovel. It's not like a metal yeah. shovel. You're doing, you're not edging your, your shrubbery. And I, what- I've been around you in those circumstances. So I know. And the other thing is my favorite thing is your reaction. You're like, yep, the plow's coming down the street. And then you just look outside and there's no plows. You guys don't have plows. Yeah, it, it finished snowing at like five, six o'clock in the morning the other night. Uh, in the Northeast or any cold weather state, like that's when the plows are out. First of all, they're ahead of it. So they're gonna treat the roads first. But by the time the snow stops, you got plows going through everywhere. And then the other thing is it's all like these private communities with HOAs that they're responsible for their own roads and stuff. It's, it is a mess. They're, they are not prepared for this type of weather. Hey, Bobby. Energy grid is crumbling right now. (laughs) That ain't it. The wind turbines are frozen. Natural gas equipment's freezing. Every, this it's, it's people don't know how to slow drip their sinks. So the pipes don't freeze. Yeah. It's just, Again, just a casual Tuesday in Massachusetts, man. Yep, <clears throat> pretty wild. Uh, let's get into the topics here. You have gotten active on Twitter. Wild, yeah. wild stuff coming from CC20 Rake. Uh, you had some talk about some best swings. Um, just had a little thread there. Maybe Patrick could put the tweet up in the video here. But you're talking about like creating the creating your best swing when you're not best I, I guess like you're it's yeah being good but you're not good let's let's just talk about that for a minute 
so the irony of all this is it, it stemmed from uh, one of our, our a college hitter that we know pretty well had reached out to me with four side view videos, basically uh, him absolutely obliterating four balls, no context to the round. It was just four separate swings. And he's like, what do you got? And I'm like, you hit four missiles. Good job. Like, I, what do you, like, what do you want me to say? Right. And that's in that, in that situation, that circumstance. And it goes to a lot of the conversations that you and I had. So in that moment in time, I just said, you know what, I'm going to tweet this. And I really, I had no idea how much activity this tweet was going to get. I think it's like up to over 350 likes, probably close to 50 retweets. Um, and I was, yeah. You got some activity. That's nice. Yeah, I was shocked at how much people engaged with that. Followers, you better get some activity. That's like your first hitting content post in a while, though. Like, yeah, you're getting in the week. Can we expect it moving forward? So yeah, I'm 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 all in. So the whole point was over. We're moving on from Tom Brady. (laughs) I'm looking at. I'm going down your 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 feed here. I got Tom Brady. I got Tom Brady. We got Gronk. Like a lot of t- dear Tom Brady, please never retire. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Eyes, 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 Tom Brady. I would put this guy Tom Brady. <laughs> so if you've noticed, my I have usually two goals with my social media. One is to get Tom Brady's attention, first and foremost. Like that's I just want Tom Brady's attention. That's all. Um, I heart Tom Brady, obviously. Like, and case in point, best player ever, seven Super Bowls. That's why I heart him and I knew he'd win his seventh. NBD, right? I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. But the other thing I try to do is be authentic, right? Like, I, I don't need to post the same stuff everybody else is posting. So I thought, you know, this would, would get a little bit of attention from the hitting world, but not certainly not as much as it did. Because it seemed, it's such an obvious thing to me, right? And I, I, I kind of just got to a breaking point where I said, look, why are we trying to create optimal swings instead of swings that are optimal for all kinds of different situations, right? Like the point is in baseball, you don't get paid for your best swing. You don't get paid for the best pitch that you ever throw. You get paid for the ability to do it over and over again. And we have young players who are using technology and using video to literally find their best. And you want to talk about the ultimate paralyzer? Like in my opinion, this is the ultimate paralysis by paralysis by analysis, right? Because you're, you're always searching for better. And really what is better? I know, like, I don't know what better is. I don't know what your best is. Like, and frankly, I don't care. I just care that you have the ability to get hits when things aren't good. If that makes any sense. Yeah. There's a, a huge trend with technology uh, to optimize. That's like a big thing right now. Optimize, optimize, optimize very much a carryover from the golf world where there's a static ball. And you're trying to optimize your ball flight characteristics. You're trying to optimize your swing sequence. <clears throat> Baseball is not a game about optimization. The, the number of times you're going to be optimal is so few that consistency to be good enough is the rule. Like you got to, you can't just try to optimize everything. I had a, I had a similar situation where a high school player sent me some video. He's like, Hey, do you see anything? And the swing looked great. I was like, how are you hitting the ball? He's like, oh, I'm killing it. Like, you can ask my coach. He'll tell you, like, killing it. I was like, all right. So, like, wh- why are you sending me video? <laughs> He's like, yeah. well, I think my foot's getting down late. My foot's getting down late. 
I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? And I just said, be careful. Uh, you gotta be careful what you're you're trying to change, because first of all, you're doing it against underhand flips. So how are you making the judgment that you're late against underhand flips? Like if you hop in the cage against like high speed velo off the machine and you're literally swinging and missing late, then okay, yeah, maybe let's talk about your timing. It's it's just it's scary to me that kids will go there first. It's not yeah. um I'm killing the yeah. ball. I get it, you want to get better. Like go lift some weights, get stronger. Like you gotta be I, careful. You gotta be really careful about what when you try to make adjustments. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about what we're doing with Pelotero is helping players identify those weaknesses in a way that's very real with results and and direction of what you need to work on to get better. Like mm-hmm. we just need to help more people see like the reality of the game and not just be like, Oh, well, if you, if you get your hip rotation speed to be this number, then you're going to be better. Or if your bat speed is this high, then you're a better hitter. It's like, no, that's <clears throat> it's not, that's not what's happening. Yeah. There is no metric currently that defines a good hitter. Literally. Let's put that out in the universe. There is not a metric that exists. Huh? <clears throat> Batting average, hard hit percentage, line drive percentage. Those would be, those would be up in my book. Right. But I'm saying like a, a measurable, right? Like a measurable that doesn't happen over the course of a season. And when I, when I said metric, like those to me are statistics, right? Those are, those are defining because over the course of time, your batting average will reflect how good a hitter you are. Your hard hit percentage will def- will reflect how good a hitter you are. And the, the scary thing about hard hit percentage for me is it leaves some wiggle room for swing and miss, which, you know, whatever, that's neither here nor there. But like, there is no metric that exists in technology and like, yet i guess that can say okay if this then that right like yes we all want to hit the ball hard yes we'd love to make our bat speed faster yes we'd like to have our hips rotate i guess have our hips rotate faster we don't really know but the problem is the industry is trying to find something to to set as a benchmark to go okay you have to do this and you know i'm watching all this stuff come out and it's like it's like that doesn't like directly correlate to a hitter being good. Like, yeah, you can have great VBA, but that doesn't mean you're a good hitter. Like whatever. Like, it's, it's just so cumbersome. And the thing that I, I loved, uh, uh, that, you know, our, our, our app posted the video the other day, uh, our Instagram and kudos to Patrick and our media team for, for doing this. Like the, the video of Ortiz talking to JD Martinez, talking to Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts about like, what drills do you do when you're struggling? What do you do when you're struggling? You go find, the stuff that's uncomfortable. Like you have to go work on the stuff that you're not good at. And really that's an identification process. Like you identify why you're making outs and ultimately that becomes what your work has to reflect. And if you're not aware enough to recognize that as a player, then let me tell you something. You're, you're playing the wrong sports. You shouldn't, you shouldn't. And it's not just baseball. It's anything. Like if you're missing shots to the left, are you going to keep shooting with the same form and basketball? Like, no, you're going to make an adjustment. You're going to change your wrist angle. You're going to change your release point a little bit, whatever it might be. So it, it's just easier to do that in other sports because you control the ball, right? As hitters, we don't control the ball. So there's a million different factors that go into what we're doing. And it's just really important that when we're going through that process of self-education, self-awareness, that we actually identify what matters. Like, like what do I have to do to prepare for the game? I asked 10 kids in the last week, 10 young amateur hitters, 
I said, what's your pregame routine? And they're like, well, you know, I do some stretching and then like a hit BP. I'm like, all right, cool. Like sweet routine, you know? And what I meant by routine is like, what, like, what are you doing both mentally and physically to prepare for the pitcher that you're about to face today for the, the type of pitcher you're about to face today? What information do you have about yourself that's happened in the last few days? Well, I feel early or I feel late or I feel like I'm out, like, you know, hooking balls, like uh, I'm, I'm missing under, I'm missing over, whatever those things are, then our work has to ultimately reflect that because that's the way we build an infrastructure, a database of information for ourselves that will give us things to revert to. And let's not forget, because baseball and hitting is a reaction, we have to build it in as a reaction. And doing it in practice allows us the flexibility to think about it. Like we have the time and, and, and uh, even just within a session to be able to think about what we're doing. In a game, you don't have time to think. You have to react. So we have to create reactions to things that will allow us to handle a two-strike slider, handle a strike ball uh, changeup, you know, handle pitches down in the zone versus up in the zone, in the zone, so on and so forth. Yeah, not much sad for me there. That's uh, yeah. very well said. Let's move on to the next topic, <clears throat> which involves a runner on third base uh, in a grand slam situation. Runner on third base doesn't touch home plate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's I'm real laughing. life. We're talking about uh, your team is down four to one. Kid at the plate hits a grand slam. I believe it was late in the game too, late-ish in the game. Uh, run on third base. Gets to right around like the, the the circle, the dirt circle, and just runs to the dugout. Dugout's on the third base side. He like points at a teammate and just runs off. Uh, is this the Instagram <laughs> of baseball? Have we forgotten what the point of the – I mean, the point of baseball is to score more runs than the other team. And he literally did not touch home plate. It's one thing if you, like, you get to the plate and you're, like, jumping and you're, like, doing stuff with your teammates vibing because you just went deep and you missed the plate. But this kid didn't even come close. Like, he didn't even get to the righty batter's box. Number one, like, how does that happen? You blacked out. Like, but, like, blacking out is one thing. Um, Like – the whole point of the game is to score runs. Like I, I was trying to think of an analogy for another sport, like in basketball, what's the equivalent of this? Like you go to like shoot a jump shot and instead of shooting it, you just run over to your bench and travel. Yeah. Like in 17 again, when Zach Efron just runs off the court. It's just, it's so wild and just, it's great. Like you just didn't even try to touch on plate. You didn't even miss home plate. You veered off and ran to your dugout before you were even capable of reaching. Like he could have laid down and reached for home plate and he wouldn't have, made, wouldn't have touched it. How mad are you if you're the guy that hit it? Like how mad are you in that circumstance? Because you just yeah, got a grand slam taken away. Ooh, oh. I just got a, a special delivery brought to you by Shiner. Shiner Boff, the, the Texas beer. Thanks, Dustin. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Made in Shiner, Texas. Appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, number one, like, how does this even happen? Uh, Patrick brought up a really – there's a really good conversation piece among teammates. How long does that guy hold a grudge? Like, how – Forever. Forever situation? 
Forever. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I'm going to make this about me because that's what I do. So in double A, now Chris Herman, probably about parts of eight seasons in the big leagues, really good catcher, really solid player. Chris Herman just signed with the Boston Red Sox. He's excited. He's coming up to Massachusetts. Worst case scenario, ends up in AAA in Worcester, right down the street from my house. But regardless, like we'll get to spend some time together. Chris Herman in 2012, we were in double A. Chris Herman, I hit a ball off the center field wall for the New Britain Rockcats. And it was bases loaded, one out. I hit a ball off the center field wall. Like, I showtimed at home plate. Like, I held it. Like, and I always told hitters. I always told guys on base. I said, just watch me. You'll know how to react. And literally, the ball goes off the center field wall. And he did this, like, back and forth. Like, went back to tag. Ran back. Like, ran the wrong direction every time. And he ends up only getting to third. And it should have been a bases clearing double. I finished the season that year with 98 RBIs. And to this day, to this day, I hold it against Chris Herman that I didn't finish that year with 100 stakes because all he had to do was not black out and run the bases. Now, that's certainly a more difficult situation than this one. And I've held that grudge for nine years. So in this case, forever, forever. So, so salty. Such a salty yep. part. Uh, yeah. This goes back. I, I've. I've told this, I don't know if I've told this story on Pickle, but I've talked about this a bunch. Um, there's a, a New Hampshire high school baseball game, postseason game. The heck, I think a bunch of snow just fell off the house. Uh, apocalypse. Apocalypse. <laughs> uh, that was like loud. You don't hear those noises in New Hampshire. Um, so this kid, it's a playoff game, right? High school playoff game, tie game, like seventh, like last inning, kid who's going to a division one school, like this is a good baseball player, good talented player, rips a single like line drive a little bit towards like to the left of the second baseman line drive to the outfield center fielder had to like move to his left to scoop up the ball and throw it in. This kid took, I mean, to say he took a turnaround first would be like a, a misrepresentation of taking a turnaround first. He basically like got the first base and stopped. <laughs> or before the center fielder picked up the ball and this kid's fast this kid he's like a stolen base threat so we got a kid in a high school playoff game tie game late like this is like a big moment and was so satisfied with getting a hit that he wasn't trying to look for the next play like he it's a play where you like go and you can really put pressure on the outfielder by taking an aggressive turn if he bobbles it you cruise in standing like one of those type of like from a time standpoint he just stopped. He just, he got the first, his back was turned to the outfielder and he's like giving it, you know, daps to the first base coach before the ball's even in. And I'm yep. just in the stands, like I'm going to leave. Cause I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what you're doing there. If you're not trying to win the game, why are you there? If you're not looking to make that next play, if you're, it's just, it's baffling to me and I don't, I can't relate to it. It makes me mad. So when I see a play like this, when you see like the, the predetermined bat flips, I just wonder, like, what is, why is this kid here? Like, what's he doing? Well, it's the part of the, if, like, I, when I went to the field every day, my primary concern was to win the baseball game. And, and to do that, you have to score more runs. You have to put pressure on the other team. You have to be better than them. You have to compete and win situations. So if you're a baser on third base in a go ahead grand slam and you don't even come close to touching, like, what? How does that happen? I don't, I fundamentally don't understand how it happens. Uh, it's baffling to me. 
Well, I think it, it's we we like we live in a in a, in a generation, and maybe it's not just the generation. Maybe we're just getting old and salty, Bobby. I think that that might be part of it, but. I don't know, like winning meant a lot to us when we were kids. I think we, we certainly, we cared about our own statistics and our own performance, but at the same time, we were more concerned with winning the baseball game. And that uh, spoke volumes about, and you see it to this day, like it speaks volumes about the type of kids that are being recruited and, uh, and, and asked to partake in, in, I don't know, all these big time events for amateur players now. And the thing that I think just irritates me is like, now we used to say it about minor league baseball, right? Like minor league baseball, the focus wasn't on winning because we were just focusing on de- developing. But at what point is winning not part of development? At what point is like figuring out how to win games not important? And look, I get it, right? Like it shouldn't be the only thing. It should be about the process that you take to try to win and try to compete and things like that. But, you know, I, I can't stand for mental errors it was like the, it was it's always the mental errors that that kill you as a coach right like we say make as many physical errors as you want like you're going to learn you're going to make mistakes you're going to get better because of it but the mental errors are really the things that ultimately drive you crazy as a coach or a person that's been around the game long enough because it's just a lack of focus it's a lack of focusing on the right things and you know they can happen at a young age once or twice but in this case certainly i don't think there's there's any real excuse that can be made for not walking and touching home plate because literally it's walking it's just walking and doing the thing that you know you're supposed to do so I understand excitement can take over but it's a prime example of emotion clouding somebody's judgment and you know such is life I guess poor kid that hit the grand slam who now you know it doesn't even, does it even count as a hit does he get you know is it a fielder's choice is he forced out it's not uh, his 0 for 1 instead of uh, having a homer. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that scored because there's no – like nobody advanced. And technically mm-hmm. he didn't reach first base. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it might be one of those weird circumstances like when you hit a runner with the ball, you still get a hit. Yeah. But even though it was like – I had one of those. Chris Herman was involved in that also. <laughs> I hit a ground ball off Chris Herman as he was sliding into second base at Lehigh Valley. Chris Herman, welcome yeah. to Worcester. No, Chris well, that Paul, one actually helped me. All of yeah, those I, tell stories about you all the time in Worcester. That turned into a four-hit game, believe that or not. Like, he slid into second, and the ball hit him as it would have been a, a 4-3. It was uh, Cesar Hernandez just playing second base for the Lehigh Valley, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. And Herman slid into second, and right before he got to the base, the ball hit him and ended up being a – a single for me, which would have been a four, three. And then I got four hits that day. So thanks. Thanks for that arm, I guess. Robin Ventura had that, the walk-off grand slam single at one point. Yeah. When Todd Pratt tackled him, cause he never finished the yeah, trip around the bases. Recorded though. So as long as he touched first base, it, it advanced the runners. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, well, we might have to take that to Twitter. Yeah. Use this as a Twitter post to uh, yeah. tag uh, Matt Pearson. It. He's big rule book aficionado. Yeah. Uh, let's move into the post show. We got some hot stove situations. I'm actually really curious to hear what you think about the Ben and Tenney trade. Uh, the the Red Sox outfield, they had Betts, Ben and Tendy, and uh, JBJ, Jackie Bradley. Um, they go. They used to do all the fun dance moves. Whoever like that was, was sick. By the way, I watched highlights of that. Fun. That was, it, tight. It was fun. And now the only person left is JBJ. Is he a free agent? No. Now? They go. Hang out. Free agent. 
this this young core outfield group and they go by the way Kevin Pilar to the Mets just saw that today yeah um, I talked to him a little bit last night he was uh I told him I said just give it two weeks you'll be in the starting lineup every day and, and might as well win the batting time you know ironic and I, I don't want to make this about Kevin but such a great player and um you know, I saw Jer- Jerks and Profar just got a three-year deal worth like, I don't know, $20, $25, 30000000 million, something like that. And Kevin Pillar had to slide out a one-year, $5 million deal that, you know, could be worth up to 2 and 10 if he hits some incentives and things like that. But I, there's no scenario in where I would take, you know, no offense to Jerks and Profar. I think he's talented, but I, there's no scenario where I would take him over Kevin. So, um yeah, I mean, it, it'll just play itself out like it has over the last four years. He'll go somewhere and they'll be like, yeah, he's going to be a fourth outfielder because his war is whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to say he's going to do something to help your team win every day and you're going to see it. You're going to go, oh, man, I got to get that guy in the lineup. You know, knock a day keeps the DFA away. I just tweeted, I just put that on Instagram as a reply to somebody. Like Dante used to say that all the time. Like, Figure out a way to get a knock a day. Figure out a, a way to do something to help your team win. That's a Getty line, man. Like, and then that's the stuff you notice during the season that that gets overlooked by all these these metrics and data that you know they're trying to define players based on on their WAR and pay them less than what their WAR is so they can get surplus value. And it's it's really genius from a business perspective, honestly. But you know, when it comes to a human, you know, what are you doing to help my team win? Perspective, it's. Uh, certainly not uh not the best yeah any thoughts on Benintendi in particular mm, well with Benny I, I, look I, I think he's a nice little player I think he's you know he came into a situation in Boston where uh the team was good right away right so he, he was a solid everyday uh, left fielder for them um he can hit a little bit certainly um I think you know, mechanically speaking, he has some limitations and I think you and I can both agree on that. And uh, there's some things certainly that I, I think if he's willing to make some changes, he can turn into a, a really, really solid player, like the kind of guy that can go 300 with, with 20 or 30 every year, um, you know, but he is who he is. And like, we just saw a reflection last year of, you know, what his worst can look like. Um, and that's for a million different reasons, right? That's not just for, you know, based on the fact that his mechanics are what they are or whatever, but, um, you know, I think it's good for the Royals because you're getting a guy who should theoretically be hungry to, to bounce back. Um, you know, and I think Boston was at a place where they were, you know, probably like, okay, well, we just don't think, you know, he is who everybody else thinks he could be, but. You know, it remains to be seen. The, 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 the thing's on him at this point to, to decide what player he wants to be. If he takes this as, well, I'm just going to keep doing the same things, then I think the potential for, you know, another, another like laying another egg exists um, where if he, he makes some adjustments, I think he can get back to being a 285 with 15 homers type of guy. Um, and if he decides he wants to be better than that, then I think that's in the cards too. So, this is one of those situations where it remains to be seen. Um, and the player has to make a decision themselves. They have to decide who they want to be. You know, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. <clears throat> he's, he's young still. I mean, this is his age 26 season. 
he's going to be like that 275, 15 to 20 homers. Solid player. Is he going to be not an all-star type player, but solid for sure. So I thought maybe they gave up on him a little too soon. Signed for two years, 10 million bucks. So it's playing at like a $5 million year. Yeah, I I think Boston's kind of chalked up the fact that they they you know and and this is it's funny how these things happen. It happened to us in Toronto. We you know uh, you have a new group that comes in, uh, front office ownership, whatever they are, and you know they they want to go with their own guys. They want to feel like they they leave their own mark or whatever it might be. And and certainly I I, I don't. I don't feel strongly about the deal in one way or the other. Let's put it that way. Like I don't feel strongly that um, it's a good or bad deal for either party. Um, Obviously Boston got to a point where they felt like, you know, they were, I guess, over it. um, So to say, and uh, who knows, man, we'll see it. Only time will tell. Yep. And the other, other big hot stove item, Justin Turner staying with the Dodgers. What is their payroll right now? Like three hundred million dollars. Yeah, they're they're threatening going over. They gave him thirty-four million bucks. Yeah, so the threshold is at two fifty, I think, this year. For what? Um, uh, the luxury tax. So uh, they're uh, like on pace right now to 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 breach it to go over, um, but it's close. It's one of those situations where, and look, I don't. At the end of the day, kudos to the Dodgers because like go get all the best players ever and win every game if you can. And I understand that you know, the market and the ownership group are the ones that ultimately like, you know, have an impact on that. But, uh, you know, what I would say is like, good for them. <laughs> good for them. Like they're going out and trying to win. Competitive balance tax threshold is 210. Uh, I, think, I think that number moved up. I just looked it up. Just Googled it. I read something the other day that said it was closer to 250. And I don't know if that was based on like, I know. 226 is what they're at right now. Yeah. I don't, there was something that I, I, they were on pace for like 250, um, which would take them over where they would lose a draft pick because they have some offset from either the last couple of years. What's that? I didn't know they were taking draft picks away. I thought it was just a tax. Yeah, well, it, de- it depends on how you, you go over, I think. So, like, you have some wiggle room based on what you did the two years prior um, to have the – to be afforded the luxury of going over and not uh, being penalized for it. So, I think 250 might be the number that if they go over 250, they will they'll, – they'll, they'll lose, like, 10 or 20 positions in the draft or something like that. Um, it's interesting, but you know what? Prospect's only a prospect till he's a suspect. If you can win now, go for it, man. I, uh, that's the way I look at it. I mean, mm, take advantage of your circumstances when when you have them and, and take those opportunities to try to win because it's it's hard to do, obviously. Pretty crazy. <clears throat> so Turner back with the Dodgers. That, does that solidify them as the favorite? <clears throat> they got basically their whole team back, right? They're not- yeah, and they've, they've added too. <clears throat> yeah, they added. You know. Added Bauer. <clears throat> Their yeah. bullpen is disgusting. Their starting pitching is disgusting. Outfield is disgusting. Infield is disgusting. Like they're just they're stacked. Mm. I'd be hard pressed to pick anybody else at this point. But I mean, in a longer season, more factors, injuries can can obviously play a role. But certainly they've positioned themselves to 
to go and repeat. Um, good for them, man. Uh, you know, I think the Padres will the Padres will be good again. They they basically kept it intact. I think kind of for the most part. Um, Every fan base should want their organization doing this. Every fan yeah. base should want their team going. Instead over of complaining, over. instead of complaining, oh, why are we paying for this guy? Crazy. Uh, last story we got. Uh, I'm going to call her Sarah. Sarah Sarah Silversmith complaining about Tom Brady disrespecting the legacy of the Lombardi Trophy by by doing a one more completion to his career. The Lombardi Trophy went boat to boat. Uh, Sarah Silversmith, some who knows her grandfather, somebody made the Lombardi Trophy. She's upset that Tom Brady's disgracing his legacy as like what are we talking about? Tom Brady threw a Lombardi Trophy. It was awesome. Hey. Nobody have fun. Into the bay. It would have been amazing. Yeah. Gronk hit mm. the Lombardi Trophy with a baseball two years ago, and nobody yeah. said boo because, like, oh, it's Gronk. Like, I think everybody has this this innate desire to knock Tom Brady off the cliff, including you know Max Kellerman's finally stopped trying, which is nice. Um, but you know, it, it's funny, man. Like, Max like, Kellerman's whole cliff thing. He's gonna fall off the cliff. He yeah. finds out. He's like. He's had a Hall of Fame career since after since. that prediction. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, I, we're, it's so easy for everybody to take a stance or have an opinion on everything. I read an article the other day that was, you know, about about Tom Brady and, and wearing masks and things like that. Like, like, can we just leave the guy alone? Can we just leave him alone? You know, it, it, like – the, the players that put the mask on, like if you're doing it for your, it's your own personal choice. I get it. Yeah. But when they were like finding the coaches for not wearing masks, like 15 grand a game or something like that. Well, it, it, they're look. tested relentlessly. Number number one, number two, they're playing in Florida where there's no mask mandates. They can do whatever they want. Without a mask on, surrounded by players that he's constantly tested with. I mean, people people to COVID and like the reality that people are losing their lives, but like there's a, like free will exists still. So this is the same, this is the same thing, Bobby, as I would say, like about a lot of stuff that, you know, we're just trying to knock people off the, off the horse, man. Trying to knock them off the mountain, dude. And I just want people to appreciate greatness more, man. That's all. Let him throw the trophy. Let him throw it. Refs would have flagged him. Uh, you see Winston Jr. got it was like a $7,500 fine or $15,000 fine for the peace sign. Uh, uh, Winfield, like, yeah, that was, hey, hey, you know, I loved it. I thought it was super competitive. Like, you know, you do it to me. It's like a pitcher, you know, a pitcher feeling like a hitter can't show him up after he does. So what are you going to do? The world's great. The apocalypse. Armageddon. So just Texas to, has snow. Just to uh, come full circle. When push comes to shove, there's a bunch of criticisms right there. Yeah. Uh, we made like we saw the the 180 facility where our office is down here. Yeah. They have a turf field that's covered in snow. Their outdoor cages are covered in snow. They have a full net around their turf infield, and it's like bending the poles because there's so much ice on it and so much weight being brought down. Like they're this is shaping up to be a week long event. Like nothing's going to be open for a week down here. Can you imagine in the Northeast if it snowed six inches and everything shut down for a week? You're talking about a little snow. <laughs> talking about a little snow, dog. A little we'll snow, like, a little ice. Let's go. If that happened. Let's go.
Let's go. We talk about a little snow here. Come on. Wild. It's wild. I've told people stories down here about my career at the University of Vermont. The coldest I've ever been walking to practice at 5 a.m. for a 5 a.m. practice. So I'm walking to practice at 4.30 to get to the gym. And I sniffled and my nostrils froze together. And then I blinked and my eyelashes froze shut. That's the coldest I've ever been. People, it's like nine degrees here. And they're like, oh, it's so cold. It was like uh, our developer, Jonathan, it was his first time ever experiencing single digits. Hey, all I have to say about that is it's all part of it, babe. It's all part of it. It's all relative. And then like in the summertime, it's going to be 115. So hang with them. It's weird. It's weird down here. So we're going to try to stay safe. We're going to just wait for everything to melt because that's basically the only option and uh yeah i got power now so i can actually do work so that's good go get them kid all right that'll wrap all up right. pelotero pickle episode 27 snowmageddon edition snowmageddon. waving but nobody can see it i'm waving nobody can see it all right that's our show see you see you